Hello and welcome back to the Man Catholic Podcast. My name is Steve Priest. I'm Thomas Wirtz. And I'm Brock Martin. Today's topic is resilience, how to bend but not break in our pursuit of holiness. This time. Before we dive into that, we have a great story about St. Damien of Molokai. St. Damien, born Joseph de Fuster in 1840, so he was in Belgium, joined the Sacred Heart Fathers in 1858 and took the name Damien. In 1863, not long after that, he responded to the call for missionaries in Hawaii. Love this missionary heart he had. He was ordained a priest a year later in 1864 and was sent to the district of Puna. And at the time, Hawaii was missionary territory, and about one-third of the native population was already Catholic. Damien had the care of about 350 souls, but not long after his arrival, leprosy began to spread in Hawaii. In 1865, a decree from the government called for segregation of leprosy victims, and Molokai was chosen as a leprosarium, where they just sent folks with lepers to this island. The church sent a priest to minister to them once a year and had a chapel dedicated to St. Philomena, built for those who had been banished. They desired to have a more frequent priestly presence, knowing that death could come knocking well within a year's time between priest visits. So the local bishop asked his priest for volunteers. He didn't want to assign, he was afraid, this bishop, he was afraid to assign anyone to this task. So Father Damien immediately jumped to his feet and offered himself for the sake of the lepers. He was to become the first resident pastor of Molokai, a post he would never leave. It wasn't long after Father Damien's arrival among the lepers that his need to be resilient manifested itself. Not having a fondness for Catholics, the Board of Health in Honolulu protested against Father Damien and his work in Molokai. They gave him permission to minister there with the catch that he could never leave the infected community. Could you imagine? Hmm. This meant he could not minister to the other local communities or visit fellow priests so they could hear his confession. He didn't flinch he faithfully remained pastor to the forgotten. In one instance, a brother priest came to him to hear his confession, and the captain of the vessel, the ship, as it pulled up to the island, would not allow the priest off the ship, nor would he take Father Damien on board the ship. Knowing the crew didn't speak French, Father Damien shouted his confession in that language, in French, up to his fellow priest, who shouted back absolution as the ship was pulling away. Such was the tenacity of Father Damien. And this character trait, good Belgian boy, right, would be imperative throughout the rest of his life. The lepers themselves proved very difficult to minister to, as despair, as you can imagine, had permeated their hearts and minds. Father Damien watched the degradation and the consequences of life reduced to the levels of brute survival and animal pleasures. He, he understood what had prompted the kind of revolting orgies and debaucheries that were taking place. He understood that, right? He got it. But he did not intend that they'd continue. He took care of his flock as a mother would care for her young and try to visit each person every week and just fought through this stench that he often, when he started caring for them, he would just vomit because the, the stench was so wretched, but he would go and care for them and change bandages. Because he was alone on the island, because many at the time believed leprosy was a sexually transmitted disease, some people assumed he was living an immoral life on Molokai. And so the rumors began to spread about him that he was taking part of the debauchery on this island with 
these lepers. So not only was Father Damien isolated, not allowed to have his, again, his confession heard or be visited by other priests, but rumors began, slanderous rumors began to spread about him himself and the life that he was living. He had to fight so many attacks that were coming at him. And near the end of his life, knowing exactly the suffering that was to come, he had watched hundreds of people die of leprosy, and he consoled himself at night by walking through the cemetery, praying his rosary, and thinking of each person that he himself had buried there. And while he knew what his death would be like, he had no way of knowing how he would be remembered. But he didn't care. All he was concerned about was intimacy with God and the souls of his flock. And he died in 1889 of leprosy. Mm. And I love St. Damien of Molokai, a man that was unbreakable. I mean, this is not long ago, right? We're talking just over 100 That's years true. ago. True. Uh, this, is, this is not a long time ago. And when I hear this story, I'm not there yet. Mm. I, I don't, <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm not even close to that. And and the words that kept going through my mind as you're sharing the stories, St. Benedict's one of his first homilies where he says, man is not made for comfort. Man is made for greatness. And that is what St. Damien did. He knew I am made for greatness. And he gave away every bit of comfort he had, even his dignity of his confession, of his interior spiritual life. He was willing to announce that publicly in addition to the comfort of the flesh, to the comfort of his reputation, what people would say or think about him. I mean, everything, Thomas, he was willing to lay by the wayside. I mean, you, you can get the, like, oh, he was super excited to be the volunteer to the lepers. And all mm-hmm. of us have that initial, like, I'll sure. do it. I'll go on but a mission then trip. all those hardships yeah. that he had, and yeah. he just didn't break. Yeah. He just kept showing up day in and day out, mm-hmm. v- again, vomiting probably for the first few months as he was caring for this, these wretched poor souls that had been forgotten. But yeah, he just, he, he kept showing up. Yeah. Now here's, here's the key is I say, I don't have it right now or I'm not there yet, but we've all been designed with that hunger mm-hmm. for greatness. Like it, that is intrinsic to who we are in God's image and likeness. And I think back to the story and he's no saint, but Ernest Shackleton, right? Who wanted to be the first explorer to cross Antarctica by boat. And he put out an ad that said men wanted right. and you're going to die. It's going to be very uncomfortable (laughs) and it's going to be terrible. No one's ever done this before. You're not going to get paid a lot of money, no fame or fortune, like nothing. And what happened? No one showed up. No, that's not what happened at all. (laughs) Thousands of men lined up, thousands of men lined up and he, he got to pick his crew and they, they all were willing to give all of that aside for greatness. Now it wasn't spiritual greatness, but that's my argument is that this is innate to who we are as right. men, that it doesn't always have to be this high level spiritual uh, endeavor that we're seeking. Now that's what we're called to. That's the pinnacle of our spiritual journey. But even these men who didn't know the Lord were willing to let go of all of their comfort, all riches, all fame and fortune for greatness. Mm-hmm. And, and I think St. Damien did that perfectly. And I think that walks us into the topic today of resilience and, and bending and not breaking right. in those moments. In yeah, it's, gosh, it's, it's, again, it's one thing to want to be great. It's another thing to persevere through it. Yep. No, totally. And the, the dictionary defines resilience as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. The capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. And I think that's why St. Damien's a perfect story for this topic. And this topic is so apropos for men in our day and age. Because mm-hmm. if you think through, you know, the most important things 
in life, whether it be your discipleship of Jesus, your your vocation, so you know your your spouse and your children, or your vocation to the priesthood, whether it be your finances, your education, you know anything that you're doing in your life, all of these things, all of the most important things require resilience. And so I think it's a perfect topic for us to, to really unpack a little bit today. Yeah. And it's cause it's so hard today, right? Mm-hmm. We were just, we were given a gift card to Grubhub and we ordered food online. I was just telling you, Steve ordered online. I get to watch a little tracker of the car of when the food shows up at my door and boom, it's right there. All I have to do is walk 10 feet to the door to pick up this amazing meal. And it's just, there's so much instantly given us this instant gratification makes it really hard to actually suffer to be resilient in this day and age. Am I right? No, you're totally right. And here's the bad news. I'm such a sinner that it's never good enough for me in that situation, right? It's not quite warm enough. It's, right. it's took too long. It took too long. Like I still have uh, find reasons to complain because I'm a sinful man. When I was a kid, Thomas, I used to watch, come home almost every day and watch Peter Pan, cartoon Peter Pan. I, I don't even know where it is anymore, but this was daily. I would watch Peter Pan and I'd always have dreams about this flying. All makes so much sense. Um, <laughs> and here, here's the thing about Peter Pan, right? Like, so he lived on Never Never Land right. with his Indian tribe and then Captain Hook and his adult men, the pirates, would, would fight Peter Pan. It was this wonderful storyline that they had. Well, Peter Pan came to get Wendy, right? right. And John and, and Michael. Michael, yep. And flew them back to Never Never Land. But at the core of Peter Pan, what happened to them at, ne- at Never Never Land? They'd never grow up, right? They would always remain boys, the lost children, boys, yeah. the lost boys. And I think we live in a world of never, never land. Because if you look at men today versus men 100 years ago with St. Damien or Shackleton and his men, or even what 70 years ago, 80 years ago with World War II men, right? Like we're not the same men. We're not, we're not the same. We're not we're not made the same. We're, right. we're sorry. We are inherently made the same by God, but right. we are not built. We're not the wired same. the same. We're not yeah. wired the same. Why? What's happening? And and I love going back to Peter Pan and Never Neverland because I think we want to stay as boys. We want to stay as lost boys and Never Neverland and not have to work hard and not have to be challenged. And we're seeing this right. even more on the college campus today that men just don't want to be men. Be men. And millennials, what's the bad rap for millennials? That they are entitled, that they already naturally deserve. You're a millennial? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am too by a year. Damn. Um, but we, we feel entitled, and I'll throw myself in that. Like We feel like we have already earned, we deserve to be taken care of, to be paid well, to uh, be the starter on the team. Um, like We don't feel like we have to work for things, which is not the case of really a lot of history, but, in fact, all history before Steve, us. my three oldest are eight, six, and five, and we try to get them to make their lunch for school. <laughs> I feel like nowadays, like that's almost yeah. child abuse. Someone's going to call child services because we try to have them make their own lunch, to your yep. point. Yeah. It's just too easy. No, if the, if the definition for resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, it's really hard to to fa- to build that capacity when you never face any difficulties. Right. Yeah, and this generation has grown up with participation trophies and smart devices in their hands that's from the moment point. that they could walk. Jerk. And, uh, you know, I think it's true that there is a reality that we need to be pushed. We need to be challenged to develop this capacity. Uh, because if you if you've never faced any difficulties in your life, and you step into your vocation to 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 be a married man, to be a father, or into your job, 
it's going to be really hard for you to overcome those difficulties that will inevitably face you if you've never had to do that before in your life. Okay, I want to pause on the participation trophy and the participation medal because that is a real-life situation that I think we can all grab and hold on to it and discuss. What what do we think about participation medals? Or, or I think we all know what we think about it. Why doesn't that work? Why is that at an early age... And as parents, as adults, why why is that happening so much, and what's the problem with it? That's that's a better way to ask that question. I love it because I think it's uh, it's again it's a real question, like you said. The problem is at at some point, maybe not a four year old, but I think at a seven eight year old, they know they didn't do anything to deserve this, mm-hmm. so they know it's fake, mm-hmm. right? It's like I'm being awarded for nothing. I want to win because, like you said, we're wired mm-hmm. that way still. Mm-hmm. To, to be excellent and to actually win and, and to therefore deserve to be recognized for what I've done. And participation trophies just eradicate all of that, mm-hmm. all of the effort, all of the justice mm-hmm. subscribed to medals, right? Like it's unjust to give everyone the same thing for different outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I think our young people are starting to recognize that. And I, hopefully parents do too. It's just, it doesn't help my child. Again, it's unjust. It's not formative to give them something they didn't actually deserve. It's detrimental to their formation. Yep. Mm-hmm. So stop. So what do we do as parents when that's happening and we're in a little league and-, and Throw it in the trash. Yeah. Just grab it. <laughs> you didn't deserve this, buddy, and take it from your kid and throw it in the trash. Okay. <laughs> Problem solved. Remind me not to put my kids in a yeah. league with Thomas. <laughs> yeah, kids. you will never coach. Oh, I'm kid. sorry, guys. You want to give them a No, 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 no not at all. Uh, because honestly, I have done that, right? Like my son's 11. He's, in, he's old enough to know. He, in fact, asked me, dad, why did we get a medal we of didn't course you win did. of course you did yeah. um and so he knows the difference and so then i say you're right you didn't win and it's silly that they give those away and he said so what should we do with it i said well let's just get rid of it i mean there was no nice there's no virtue right. and value in keeping it 100%. right and so we did get rid of it but i it, it is such a heartbreak to see and that's just one story of many where we are doing this as a culture and as a world right. where everyone everyone wins and, and it doesn't matter how hard you work or what the outcome is. And it's, it's frustrating because you go back to one of our earlier podcasts, the, the, the idea of Genesis 2.15, that God made man and he asked him to shamar, right? To mm-hmm. guard, protect, lay your life down. How can you do that if you have no capacity to suffer, to be resilient, to bounce back up? Mm-hmm. How are you going to step into the world and take arrows, right, for the kingdom mm-hmm. if at the first launch of an arrow you're ducking duck and tail and running. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't live out your masculine call if you're not resilient. No. And I think that begs the question. So if we, if we desire to be resilient in these big things, you know, as you, as you say, taking arrows or even on a more mundane level in, in our marriages, in our fatherhood at work with our finances, our education, um, your marriage is mundane. Is that <laughs> no, no. But I, what, what I meant, what I meant to say is that the if we're going to be asked to step into these big situations and be resilient, we have to have the experience right. of encountering difficulties and being resilient at other points in our life. And so I think as we think about this practically, what does that mean? How do I actually cultivate the virtue of resilience in my own life? Because as you guys mentioned, life is comfortable. I can call Grubhub. I've got a hot shower waiting for me the moment I get home or the moment I wake up. Everything in our life, in our culture is geared towards us being comfortable. It's, it's mm-hmm. a removal of those difficulties. So how, mm-hmm. how do we grow in that? Well, before we jump into that, there was one thing that you just said that came to mind for me that I want to share, and then we'll get into the practical things, is 
if if we really want to be ready in the in the big moments, right, of martyrdom or whatever it is in the big moments, we have to grow in the small moments. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think about what is that nagging sin that I feel like I confess every single time I go to confession, right? What is it? Well, do you yeah. guys do that or is that just me? That I just um, want to know what you're saying. Hey, I'm just going to change the subject. So uh, <laughs> that is an opportunity for resilience because obviously, and I think this happens to all of us, you jerks, so don't <laughs> act like it doesn't. We we all get attacked. Like Satan finds that chink in our armor, right? Like where's that weak spot in each one of our lives where he knows he can just keep going after over and over and over again. And and it feels like we can't figure it out. And and there are times when I'm like, God, this is on you because you're not helping me here. Like, if you want me to get better at this, I need your help step in and play ball with me. But we have to be resilient. And I think so, so often Catholics think, why go to confession? I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. Um, why, why should I even try to work on this? I'm obviously not finding success. I'm just going to give up, which is breaking. It's, it's, we got to be able to bend, recognize that the devil's going to keep coming after us, recognize our own fault and our own weakness and the situations we put ourselves in and fix those, be resilient to deal with that and, and to improve upon it without letting it break us. And I just think that's one of those small things that we can actually invest time and energy and attention into to work on to get better at. I love it. There's a, we don't have time for the story, but Louis Zamperini, if you guys have ever yes. read Unbroken. Oh my gosh. I highly recommend you guys reading that book. The movie wasn't as good, but uh, that guy was uh, the incarnation of resilience. Of resilience. Yeah. Yeah. But you had some practical yeah, points. Yeah, let's go practical. Well, no, so I, my... A question I'd love to pose to you guys and, and just to get everybody listening, thinking about is what what is our bigger yes? So mm. within the context of having to be resilient, facing difficulties, you could think of any example in your life when you've done this yourself or when we think about people like Louis or other great heroes of, mm-hmm. of resilience. What What is the bigger yes that allows me to say no to myself in mm. that moment? If it's, a, if it's an issue of physicality and you mentioned Steve martyrdom or even mm-hmm. just something like suffering for the faith or taking some persecution for wearing yeah. your faith on your sleeves, mm-hmm. that that necessity of having a bigger yes, something that's outside of myself that I'm saying yes to and not just gritting my teeth and saying no to, to avoid, you know, that sin or whatever mm-hmm. thing it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm smart enough to know what you're asking, but my, my gut thought is um, Jesus again said to us, if you're going to follow me, pick up your cross daily, right? Mm-hmm. And this idea that the in the suffering, to, hopefully to the bigger yes, we're actually, when we bounce back up, we're allowing God by his grace to transform us, mm-hmm. to sanctify us, right? And that suffering is God chiseling away what he doesn't want to be there anymore so that what is left is just what he originally designed, how he originally designed us to be, this, mm-hmm. this movement to holiness. And I think when we look at resilience, we have to recognize as a Christian people, when we fall and get back up by God's grace, he is changing us. He's mm-hmm. transforming us. He's sanctifying us. And I think that might be one answer to your question of the bigger yes is, Lord, I want to be the saint you have called me to be. And I know that you are chiseling me. You are sharpening me. You are sanctifying me in every moment of struggle, whether it's the more mundane things where I have to, you know, do some more dishes, Mm -hmm. be resilient there, get off the couch, go do that to the larger issues, you know, that, that might come from the culture, the martyrdom type type bigger issues, maybe not quite that big, but you know what I mean? And I think recognizing that it's, it's being sanctified yeah. is one of the, I think, answers to that. Yeah. And I think we lean into the stories of the saints uh, and a lot of them that we've shared so far are the men who have been kind of normal dudes, 
right? But have opportunity and lean into those opportunities for greatness. And it starts small and it gets big, obviously, because they're canonized saints. And that's what we're called to, right? We want to be, as Curtis says, a canonizable saint. We might not be canonized, but we want to live to the point that we could be canonizable. And so sometimes I get overwhelmed by the idea of St. Damon Molokai, or we've talked about other saints where it's like, I'm not there. I'm not there. I can't, I'm not, can I get there? And it, I'm having a hard time right now processing because it, it just freaks me out. You like I want go. it so badly. I want yeah. it, but I see such a gap of where I am now and where they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it freaks me out. And I think I can't get there, but we all can. And so for me, I have to say, okay, what can I do today? What can I do right now in this moment? What can I do to take that next step to get there? And so I have, I have a couple things that, that I want to share. One, and this came from Matthew Kelly years ago when it was, I think it was my very first focus conference, maybe my second one, 2005. And he said, when we fast, so when we think of Lent, oftentimes we get challenged. Let me, let me do the big fast, mm-hmm. you know, and, and do that for Lent. That's great. But we can fast outside of Lent. Surprise, surprise. We can fast outside of Lent. And oftentimes we don't think about that. And so Matthew Kelly said, when should you fast? Always. Uh, what should you fast from? Anything. One of the, the examples that he gave is that every meal fast from something. Yeah. Instead of a Coke, have an iced tea. Instead of salt, no salt. Maybe say no to ketchup for your fries. It could be something that right. no one would ever notice, but for you in that moment, you're saying no to something. Yep. Order, so, order your second favorite your item. Second on the menu. favorite item. Actually, we're supposed to be fasting every Friday. Yeah, right. Like totally it's part of fasting from me as a Catholic every Friday, and that's an old tradition that has been going on for centuries. And again, now in today's culture, we just get away from some of these mm-hmm. things. So there are opportunities to say no, but there are also opportunities to say yes. And I think this mm. is one of those things that we just forget about. So. Uh, I am not a runner. I don't have a runner's body. I don't I hate enjoy running. running, but I will not say yes to this. <laughs> <laughs> but so years ago, I said yes to an invitation to go run a half marathon. And I didn't know how miserable it would be, but I bent, but I didn't break. And I saw that as an opportunity to challenge myself for the future. And I have now run, I don't know, 15 or so half marathons and every single one is hard and every single one takes training and preparation and discipline. And I do it not because I enjoy it or even because I'm good at it, but because it gives me an opportunity to say yes to something to challenge me to bend me without breaking That's me. That's amazing. And I did one full marathon, and I will never do that again. <laughs> uh, but it showed how how much we can take our bodies and push them to the limits. Mm. So what is that in your life as a listener? You're sitting here right now saying, Steve, I hate running. Okay, Thomas, what about a 5K? Nope. That's three miles. No, you need to be a good nope. example right now for I, our listeners, nope. and you should say yes to a 5K. <laughs> or whatever that is. I don't know what it is. Uh, something physical would be good. Um, but what is that? It, maybe it's to read a book that you've thought about for years and have never picked up. Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, or whatever it is. What can what can you do? Maybe it's a master's degree. Maybe it's I don't know what it is. But what can we say yes to? You finishing the book to show right? resilience. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. To just finish the book you started right. to show resilience in some practical way. Just that really is trying a to get us off step. running. Yeah, Tom's like, I would rather read a book um, to show resilience. So for me, that's where I have to go. 
No, I think that's awesome. I think those are those are great practical tips. I also just want to give a plug to the guys over at Exodus 90. I think yeah. they are doing some great work. If that's not something you're familiar with or have heard of, uh, it's a program to really enter into this type of, of resilience building for the sake of, of gaining greater freedom in our lives. And so if that's something that you, there's any interest in, especially with Lent coming up, wonderful opportunities, as Steve was mentioning, those, those little opportunities to fast, whether it be a cold shower or making sure you're getting up on time, not hitting your snooze button. Yep. The, the opportunities for us to say no to ourselves and mm-hmm. yes to something greater than ourselves, yes. as you mentioned earlier, almost infinite. Every single moment of every day we're faced with to choose myself or to choose something other than me. Mm -hmm. And I think to develop that, that habit is something that, you know, the guys over at Exodus 90 are doing great work, but it doesn't take, it doesn't take a program really. It takes brothers coming together and saying, Hey, I want to be better. Mm-hmm. Can you help me? Can we yeah. can we push each other? Right now with one of my best friends, we're doing an alcohol fast that went from New Year's Eve until Easter. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, you think back to the last couple of weekends of NFL football, like there's no way that I would have been able to say no to beer if I didn't have a yeah. buddy who I was doing mm-hmm. this with. Mm-hmm. And it's that simple saying no to myself that mm-hmm. that it stinks sometimes, but I, I, my hope is that on Easter Sunday, I'll be able to look back and be like, wow, the last couple months were awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that. Exodus 90 is spectacular. We got a chance to do that, Steve and I and Brian McAdam. But I think another, another practical point is um, as we say yes, perhaps to something, check our motive, mm-hmm. right? Like if I'm going to change another diaper and I just changed a diaper, am I bitter when I'm going to do that? Or am I actually entering into it with a generous heart? So that idea of resilience, I think as we bounce up, as we re-engage in something that's difficult. Are we doing it with a generous heart? Are we doing it with a bitter attitude? Because I yep. think that's another another thing we can consider and yep. reflect on. And to take it a step further and then to actually offer that discomfort and those prayers for someone or something else. Because when I did Exodus 90 and I was taking those cold showers, I was extremely bitter. I was just yeah. angry. Yeah. And so every yeah. time I would take this miserable cold shower and it just shows how weak I am as a human that I can't take a cold shower without being so uncomfortable. Um, But I would every single time I would say, okay, Lord, what are you calling me right now to pray for, to offer this, you know, couple minutes because you don't take long cold showers. This is a couple <laughs> yeah. minutes of discomfort for, and so that's, that's yep. another level that we can take our, our fasting, our sacrificing, our opportunities for resilience and actually enter into the state of prayer, which again is this foundation, yep. right, that we're building upon. So, and we remember Jesus. Jesus fell three times on the way to Calvary. His resilience, and that as we bounce up again, God is transforming us. Mm-hmm. That that bigger yes. Yep. All right, that is it for today. Again, the topic resilience: how we can bend but not break when pursuing holiness. Another shout out to John Mark Skoke for doing our music. Our incredible audio engineers. And don't forget to hit the subscribe and share the podcast with any men or women in your life who you think would benefit. That's it for today. God bless. We'll see you next time. Man Catholic. (laughs) 